Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The Adam Sign Podcast. Wow, what a podcast we have for you today. Michael Lombardi, who was a longtime NFL executive with the Patriots, the Browns, the Raiders, the 49ers, among others. Perfect guy to talk to you about what's next for Tom Brady, Josh McDaniels, working for the Haslams, Bill Belichick, the coaching carousel. Michael Lombardi is our guest on the Adam Shine podcast. Divisional round in the NFL postseason is my favorite weekend in all of sports. My guys, Bob Stu, Mikey Fitz, will join me to pick all the games, the winners, and pick them, of course, against the spread. We're going to start with the coaching carousel, which is officially and deliciously spinning out of control. How about, as we sit down to tape this at 2.02 Eastern Time, the news that broke earlier today as we were live on Shine on Sports on Sirius XM on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Matt Rule hired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers and the New York football Giants hire Joe Judge. And that's where hope goes to die. The verdict is in. Judge hired. The Giants are guilty of being the worst. Listen, this is an example of everything I've ever said about Dave Gettleman and why the Giants needed a clean sweep. The New York football Giants needed to fire Pat Shermer, but they also needed to fire Dave Gettleman because nobody who was a worthy head coaching candidate would ever hitch his wagon to Dave Gettleman. That was a first guess. It's what I've been saying. Heck, I said two years ago the Giants should never hire Dave Gettleman. But they only hired him because he used to work for the New York football giants. And that's all they care about. And after what he did in Carolina, nobody interviewed him. Nobody wanted him except for the giants because ownership wanted to control him and he would protect Eli Manning's feelings. And I said when Pat Shermer got fired, there were three names, three names for the giants job. Couldn't take a risk on an assistant coach. You saw that with Ben McAdoo failure. Saw that with Pat Shermer failure. You had to hire and you could debate the order. Mike McCarthy. Matt Rule, Josh McDaniels. But I said Dave Gettleman could cost him all three and should and will cost him all three and did cost him all three. And it's an embarrassment and it's a disgrace. And the Giants are one of the worst organizations in the NFL. And keeping Dave Gettleman, who had a mockery of a news conference last week you know wants to improve analytics after thumbing his nose at it when he drafted a running back with the number two overall pick and Saquon Barkley gonna hire some computer folks oh oh good you think Mike McCarthy who in a year off from Green Bay really went to school on how he could get better with analytics you think he appreciated that Matt Rule who's a bright guy embraces analytics you think he wanted to work for that guy Josh McDaniels, please, he's one more chance to be a head coach of the NFL. Not going to work for Dave Gettleman, who is atrocious when it comes to people skills, the draft, trades, free agency. I mean, what else is there? That's literally his job. The Giants are an embarrassment. And understand, this is not about Joe Judge. And I want to make that crystal clear. 
the Giants are a joke because of the process. You know, Gettleman was making the rounds on radio. Oh, the Redskins beat us to the punch. They move so quickly. Well, get off your derriere and do something about it. Mike McCarthy was in the building. He had interest in coaching Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. The Cowboys met with him. And rightly, and we'll get to that in a second, determined that Mike McCarthy was the perfect guy to take him to the Super Bowl. They didn't let him leave. Matt Rule, no matter what anyone who's part of the Mr. Mara spin doctors in the press, Matt Rule was a top priority for the New York football giants. Absolutely number one or number two on the list. And after the Baylor season ended, he went to Cabo. After Cabo, went back to Waco. The Giants didn't meet him in Waco. The Panthers did. Now, the Panthers threw him crazy money. Guess what? Worth every single penny. Because Matt Rule is a leader. Temple was basically Rutgers, if you look at a football program. And Baylor was nearly extinct with all the scandals that were going on there. And turned them into winning programs. Matt Rule is a leader of men. And I I love this fit for Carolina. And David Tepper, who is a a smart guy, outside-the-box thinker, gives Rule a seven-year contract so he can draft and develop and build a culture. And listen, Rome's not going to be built in a day. Matt Rule, who worked for Gettleman in 2012, who grew up in New York City, didn't even board the plane to meet with the Giants because he's not going to work for Dave Gettleman. He's not going to work for for John Mara and Steve Tisch. And think about what Mara and Tisch have done here. It's it's embarrassing. They fired Coughlin and kept Reese. Kept Reese way too long. Coughlin's next stop is going to be the Pro Football Hall of Fame. McAdoo was a failure. Shermer was a failure. Gettleman's been a failure. The New York football giants are a punchline. And Joe Judge, well-respected, But it goes noted nobody else interviewed him. Everyone's always looking for the top assistants. Listen, if I went the assistant coaching ranks, I would have hired either Greg Roman or Eric Bieniemy or Kevin Stefanski or Wink Martindale and Team Tim, and this was reported with Joe Brady, the LSU offensive coordinator. The entire process for the Giants is a flat-out embarrassment And that's why they're here today. Their top three candidates had no interest in working for that general manager and those owners. The Giants are an unmitigated disaster. You see, Joe Judge, I mean, I'd rather have Judge Judy. I mean, this this is a, a complete and utter disgrace. Mike McCarthy goes to Dallas. I think this is a Super Bowl caliber move. I think Mike McCarthy is instantly going to turn the Dallas Cowboys into a Super Bowl contender. Mike McCarthy is a gem, and this is a major win for Dallas, major win for McCarthy, win for Dak Prescott. You know, Rich Gannon, our good friend from CBS, CBS Sports Network, you heard him on the podcast earlier in the year. He played for McCarthy in Kansas City. They're still very close you know, working for McCarthy, Gannon tweeted, you know, in terms of fundamentals, discipline, doesn't get any better. I've had McCarthy on the Sirius XM radio show what feels like a million times. Same with Aaron Rodgers. They both have raved about McCarthy's attention to detail and his quarterback school. And Mike McCarthy teams are super prepared. I don't want to hear he underachieved with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that roster was poor based upon Ted Thompson, the old general manager, neglecting free agency. 
listen, the roster is loaded in Dallas. And McCarthy, when you're the coach of the Packers, you deal with noise. You know, remember, he had to deal with Favre, Rodgers, that whole drama. Plus, he had to deal with Favre in isolation, Rodgers in isolation. He knows how to handle noise. And Mike doesn't want full autonomy. You know, let Will McClay and Stephen Jones pick the players and – He's going to rock and roll. The Dallas Cowboys will win a Super Bowl under Mike McCarthy. I referenced before McCarthy spent his time off really getting more into analytics. He was great in in Green Bay. He's going to be even better in Dallas. This was a tremendous, inspiring hire by the Cowboys. Look, Jerry Jones has had a lot of puppets through the years. Jason Garrett, Wade Phillips. Chan Gailey, Dave Campo. He needed to go big so he wouldn't go home in terms of missing the playoffs, getting bounced early in the postseason. Mike McCarthy will absolutely at some points, and it might even be this upcoming season, lead the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl. The great Mike Lombardi joins the Adam Shine podcast right after this. Sign on sports with Adam Sign. Tom Brady's plan is absolutely positively to play football. And that means either New England or somewhere else. The Patriots team is a mess. Tom Brady is an unrestricted free agent, which leads me to the Chargers. Chargers are loaded with offensive talent. Could you imagine Tom Brady and the L.A. Chargers? You want to put the Chargers on the radar? Sign on sports. Weekdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Sirius XM Channel 82. Well, this is an absolute treat. Joining us right now, one of my all-time favorites, longtime successful NFL executive, does an amazing job on VEASAN and for the athletic, our good friend, the great Michael Lombardi. Michael, how are you? I am wonderful, Adam. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It is so great to have you, and there's so much that is really in your wheelhouse that I want to get into Michael, I'm curious to get your take on, right now, the biggest story in in sports. Tom Brady, his future. How do you think this is going to go? You know, Adam, I said on my podcast, the GM Shuffle, that I I, I just don't know. You know, at the beginning of the season, I didn't think there would be any doubt. I thought it wouldn't be Joe Namath in a Ram uniform, Johnny Unitas in a Charger uniform. I thought it would be Tom always in a Patriot uniform. But now I'm to the point where I do think all of Tom's actions lead up to something that says he may not be back. Now, I think once the season has officially ended, which it has, and everybody takes 30 days away from the season and reflects and looks on the next season, maybe cooler heads will prevail in the sense of, like, this is the right thing for us, it's the right thing for you. So I think it's a little too early to really make a judgment but I would be leaning towards there could be possibly change. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear you say that in your expert opinion. I did hear that on your ex- excellent podcast, The GM Shuffle, because I, I we were sharing a brain. You know, regular season, I kept saying, I just can't see him in a different uniform. To me, the signs are there where he wants to play, doesn't want to retire. I think there are opportunities for him to go elsewhere, Michael, play the game for a second. 
Because I've mentioned the Chargers as an ideal fit if he would leave for football and business. If he ever left New England, what uniform could you see him playing for? You know, I would have said perhaps Miami because it would have been an easy transition into the New England offense down there when Chad O'Shea was still the offensive coordinator. But now Galley and the terminology is different, I would say no. Uh, do I think he could go to Detroit? Different terminology. I, I, I would not. It's me if he went to Las Vegas and opened up the stadium with John Gruden, even wow. though the offense doesn't fit. But, I mean, that's just a guess. Who knows? I think it's going to be stadium-related. I do. I think it'll be stadium-related. That's interesting. When you say stadium-related, elaborate. What does that mean exactly? I think it's about creating a tremendous interest in your brand. Yeah. I think the Raiders have that, so don't I don't want to – but certainly the Chargers. I mean, when you look at teams in Los Angeles, you've got the USC, you've got the Lakers, you've got the Clippers, you've got the maybe the Rams, right? Uh, you know, where are the Chargers? I mean, the UCLA might be ahead of the Chargers. I'm with you completely, and that's why I think the Chargers check a lot of these boxes here. I think it makes a a ton of sense. Michael, what's the correlation, if any, when it comes to Brady and his mindset, whether or not to return, whether or not Josh McDaniels leaves New England and takes another head coaching job? Well, I, I, I think certainly that would be you know something he would strongly consider because, look, you know Brady is a creature of habit. And all great players are creatures of habit. And being around somebody that knows how you think and believes in what you think and you think the same way certainly helps. And so whether Josh decides to take the Browns job or stays in New England, that may have something to do with it. But, you know, the comfortability. Remember, the key word for Tom Brady is trust. Trust is the key word. And he trusts Josh. He trusts the offense. Now, he may not be happy with the skill players around it, but trust is important. This might sound like a funny question, but you know the inner workings. Who makes the final decision on if Tom Brady comes back to New England? Is that Bill? Is that Bob Kraft? Who makes that decision? I think these decisions, I don't think they're dictatorial. I think these decisions are predicated along what's best for everybody, right? And I think when you have two people that have won so many football games, won six Super Bowls, the last five years, these two people have won 71 games together. Yeah. Pretty remarkable, right? You know, they've won three Super Bowls. They've won six overall. I, I think this is maybe if it does go to divorce, I don't think it's going to be where it's hostile, I think it's going to be, this is where we are, this is where you are, maybe we can't meet in the middle. I don't think it can be just one person's decision. I think that makes sense. That actually, the way you just framed it, I think is the most logical way this plays out. If Brady does leave, I think you nailed it. You know, I've been saying for a while, and we'll get into the Haslam's in a second, but Josh McDaniels in Cleveland, to me, there's there's a lot of logic there for both sides. Do you think for everybody that would be a good fit? Well, I think at some point Jimmy Haslam as an owner has to decide, and I wrote a column about what makes a great owner, and I think what, what 
David Tepper did today with Matt Rule, he already is one step ahead of Jimmy Haslam. Bingo. At some point, you have to allow the coach to run the organization. You can't have the civil war within your own building. And you can't listen to outside forces about your team from other people. And I think the only way Josh McDaniels takes the Cleveland Browns job is if he gets a deal similar to what Kyle Shanahan has in San Francisco, similar to what that rule just got in Carolina. Six years, total control, technical manager, build the organization the way you want it. And Jimmy Haslam has been very reluctant to do that. And I wrote about this. He used to ask me all the time, what makes a great owner? And I would give him an answer. And he would ask me a week later. And I guess he just didn't like my answer. Wow. That's, I mean, if you're a Browns fan listening, and I read when you wrote that in The Athletic, I mean, it's one of those things you'll kind of want to pull your hair out. So if you're advising Josh from your experience and you were there, what would you tell him? Get everything in writing get everything in writing and, and try to convince Jimmy to not listen to people outside the building. Look, you know, Paul DePodesto is his confidant, lives in La Jolla, you know, pays him over seven figures to be his sounding board. Well, he's not in the building. Yeah. He also advised you that Carson Wentz wasn't a top 20 quarterback. He also advised you to trade away the pick that ended up being Deshaun Watson in Houston. So at some point you have to trust the people in your own building, not the people that are out of your building. And if you want to go down the analytical path and you think that works and you really believe it works, then only analytics. Look, anyone who tells you they don't want to use analytics and you're in the information business doesn't understand what they're talking about. We all need to use analytics in some way to help our jobs. That being said, it can't be the only slice of the pie. It's got to go in harmony with other pieces. But if Jimmy wants to use that, then he should just let the Podesto pick the coach and go all analytics in three or four years, see where he is. I think you nailed it in terms of, you know, the piece of the pie when it comes to comes to analytics. Do you think that there's a point for Josh where he, quote-unquote, has to leave? You know, I think knowing, I mean, Josh has had numerous opportunities to leave. Certainly the cold opportunity looked like, you know, that it was the right one. Little did we know. Andrew Luck was going to retire. I, I think for Josh to be successful, it has to be with the right culture, and the owner has to allow him to build the culture. If that doesn't work in harmony, it's not going to work. You believe Josh has learned from the stint in Denver? I do. I do. I think what he's learned more than anything is if you can't get everybody on the same page, then there's no sense in, in putting the band together. You know, it's a little bit like you've got to have not that you want people to think like you, but you want people to philosophically believe like you. That's the big difference, right? We all come at it at different ends. When we were all in Cleveland together, when we were all in New England together, we all believed in the philosophy of the program. Now, we all saw it from different viewpoints, but at the end of the day, philosophically, we agreed. That's... And I think that that's for Josh has to happen. It didn't happen in Denver. Pat Bowen wanted to be the Broncos' way, but it was too hard for him. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I believe that he certainly has learned, and, and you certainly know know him and know the inner workings better than anyone else. You referenced a Matt Rule hire, and I, on radio today on SiriusXM, I, I praised it like, like no other. Love what David Tepper did. You know, shows me that he gets it in terms of, and I love that Kyle Shanahan comparison, you know, gets it in terms of how to build something and having patience. What was your reaction to Matt Rule in Carolina? Well, look, I love Matt Rule a lot. My son coached two years with him at Baylor uh, for him down there when he first started. I've had a, I've had a great relationship with Matt. Uh, I think Matt's one of the great listeners of all time. Matt doesn't think he knows it all. Matt's ego will never get in the way of winning. It will never get in the way of winning. Those are traits that all leaders need to have. So I can't say enough about Matt. I thought David Tepper had the makings of being a great owner. I wrote about it because David Tepper's from the hedge fund family. And if you mention his name to anybody on Wall Street that are involved in hedge funds, they hold him in reverence. He gets it, right? He understands it's about culture. He understands it's about building an organization. He understands that just not one person can win. It takes a, it takes a village. And he wants to build a village. And he's given Matt Rule the keys and the tools to build that village. You know, Kyle Shanahan, six years, he picked John Lynch. John Lynch works for Kyle Shanahan, and that's the way it should be. And that's not being disrespectful to John Lynch. That's the way it should be. Just like I worked for Bill Belichick, that's the way it should be. The coach needs to be the visionary and the voice of the organization. Because when we see it in Dallas, Jerry Jones, he's the voice. He runs the team. They're 11 games over 500 this century. That doesn't work. You like the fit with Mike McCarthy with the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I do. Here's why I like it, because McCarthy's going to be the perfect guy for what they want. I don't think what they want, I don't think the way they operate a football team works. Let me just be very clear about that. And I've got 19 years of data to support what I'm, what I'm saying is true. Do they have a good year? Certainly. No, most people forget Wade Phillips is 13-3 and three his first year, right? Most people forget that, you know, Bill Parcells turned it around his first year. Most people forget that, that, that Jason Garrett had home field advantage uh, once or twice in his playoff run, but only made it three times, right? Like, they can win a year, but to have sustainable success is challenging. They rank 13th in the NFL in wins over the last five years counting playoffs. That, to me, is an America's team. I think you're right, and I think Mike will be the right guy at the right time. I- I'm fascinated to get your take on the Giants. I, you know, Before we get into Joe Judge, my, my Giants take, and I destroyed the Giants, has nothing to do with Joe-, Joe Judge. It's about ownership. It's about Dave Gettleman, who I think is completely overmatched and was only hired because he was part of that, that Giant family, which I, I, I've got a major issue with. There were three guys, Mike, to me, for the Giants, and you know you could debate the order, but it was Rule, it was McCarthy, it was Josh McDaniels. I don't think any of those guys wanted to hitch their wagon to, to Dave Gettleman. What do you make of the Giants' process? Well, I think this morning, at, at 6.30 this morning, Matt Rule was deciding between Carolina and staying at Baylor. And I don't think the Giants were ever in play for Matt Rule based on Matt Rule's understanding of the structure within the culture within New York. I think Josh McDaniels two years ago expressed his understanding of what he would need to be the head coach of the New York football Giants two years ago. That hadn't changed. I think the Giants have a system organizational problem. And here's why. 
because they have now, they, when they hired Joe Judge, they now have three head coaches on their payroll. They finished 31st in the last five years in wins for those five seasons. 31st. The only team behind them are the Cleveland Browns. That doesn't mean you have a coaching problem. That means you have an organizational problem. And the Giants, Gettleman is not the problem. Gettleman is symbolic of their unwillingness to change. They don't want to change. And if they've replaced Gettleman, they would be forced to change. And they don't want to change. You just nailed it. And I love that about Rule. I mean, you got a lot of, you know... Giants apologists trying to spin different things. I mean, that that's that's what I was told as well, and I believe that completely. And I'm with you on Josh would never work for them. And you're right, that's a systematic problem. Now, with all that said, and I've destroyed the giant way over the last seven years for a long time, tell me about Joe Judge. I'm fascinated to get your take on Joe Judge. Well, I mean, look, Joe's worked for Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, two of the greatest coaches of all time, so he understands what the program is. And, he, and I think the Giants have always had an, an, a, an absolute desire to bring a Patriot-type coach in, but a Patriot-type coach that will fit the program of what they want to do, right? Like, they would love to have Josh. I mean, why wouldn't you take the best coach on the Patriots staff, Josh McDaniels, over the special teams coach, who you've interviewed and you wanted two years ago, and now you don't take them now? Well, because Josh isn't going to conform to your system, right? And in fairness to Joe, he will. And Joe's an energetic, enthusiastic guy. I think it's going to come a lot down to his staff. I mean, it's going to be, frankly, who can he get to run the offense? Who can he get to run the defense? And how he bridges it all together. You know, when Belichick misses, when a running back coach misses work in New England, Belichick can go coach the running backs. When the DB coach misses a day, he coaches DBs. If the special team coach doesn't show up, he coaches special teams. He is unique, unique. Not many people can do that. Joe can't do that, so it's going to be a little challenging, and he's got to get the right people to do help him. Boy, this this is a mess when you look at this this giant situation. Michael, obviously, I listen to you on Veasan all the time. I, I, you know, last week I, I had some upset. I had an upset special winner. I love Tennessee to beat beat New England. You know, some of these numbers and the lines this week, I think, I think they're crazy. I, I like all the favorites. This is not a hot take here to win coming up in the divisional rounds. But who do you look at in terms of your favorite bets early in the week with the points? You know, I'm, I would lean, look, I think San Francisco's a really hard match for Minnesota. Minnesota's weakness is their offensive line. And because of the, the San Francisco strength is their defensive line. And if you put pressure on Kirk Cousins, I think it favors you. So instinctively, I like San Francisco. Here's what we know, Adam. The last 10 years, over those last 10 years, the home team has a distinctive advantage. There's only been two years that the teams have split two and two. Most of the time, it's either four and oh or three and one. So most of the home teams are going to win here. We know this, right? Mm -hmm. Who is going to provide the upset? Is it Seattle? Which Russell Wilson shocked me this week. Now, I didn't anticipate Carson Wentz getting hurt. I thought the Eagles would have beaten Seattle this week, and I think they would have had Wentz stayed healthy. Agreed. But the reality of it is, is it's a hard game to play. I don't see how Houston, in my mind, can beat Kansas City. I don't see how that's going to play out. And I think Tennessee's a nice story. I think New England played probably the worst game of the year on defense, tackled 
as poorly as I've ever seen a Bill Belichick team tackle and held that team to 14 points. And if Edelman catches that pass, they're going to win that game. And yet, I don't see how Baltimore doesn't beat Tennessee. Yeah, I'm with you all the way around. It's going to be fascinating here coming up in the divisional round. Michael, we appreciate the time and the insight as always. Love the podcast, the GM Shuffle. Love listening to you on VEASAN, reading on The Athletic. Keep up the great work. We always appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Adam. Be great, Michael Lombardi. For more of me, Adam Shine. And who doesn't want more me? I love me. You can listen to me on my Sirius XM radio show, Shine on Sports. We always get the best guests. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry. I mean, we live for this. Best guests in all the sports talk radio, best callers. It airs every weekday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. You can also listen to the radio show on demand with the Sirius XM app. Adam Shine, not telling you to wager on football, but here we go. You know, I have maintained forever that the divisional round of the postseason in the NFL, best two consecutive days in sports, the best weekend in sports. I mean, what do you want to fight me on? You want to fight me on the NCAA tournaments? You want to fight me on... Saturday and Sunday at Augusta, the Masters. What do you want to fight me on? You're going to disagree with me, Bob? Best best weekend in, in all the sports? Yeah, I'd say the best weekend. I would agree with you on that. Mike? Yeah, yeah, I think I'd have to agree. You know, there was a period of time where baseball had opening day, same time as, as the championship and college basketball. But this is my favorite weekend. Best day in the NFL is always championship Sunday. But now, with all that said, wild card weekend is the best wild card weekend I've ever seen. And I give you that to give you this. Wild card weekend, amazing. Every game came down to the final possession, two overtime games. Saturday, I mean, my heart's racing from 4.30 Eastern until midnight. I'm sweating. I'm going nuts. I mean, bad coaching, bad broadcasting on ESPN. The whole thing was just was, was crazy, absolutely wild. I couldn't get enough, I mean. Booger still thinks you should spike the ball on fourth down. Yeah. You know, Bill's blowing a sixteen nothing lead. Uh, you know, I, I was going to throw myself through a table. Fourth and twenty seven. Fourth and twenty seven. Uh, Josh Allen needs he, he, sneaks. His ways, his GPS wasn't working. He's going the wrong way. I'm a little nervous about some of the results and how they're going to impact the competition mm. for the divisional round. Look. Wild card weekend was amazing. I don't think we're going to miss the Patriots, maybe not from a ratings perspective or a competition standpoint. I think we're going to miss the Saints. Just to give you a bit of a backdrop, because, Bob, some of these numbers, and hit us with all four what we're playing in, these numbers are pretty interesting and lopsided coming up for the divisional round. Yeah, what these numbers say is Championship Sunday is going to be a behemoth. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be something. I can give you all four. Right now we have, of course, Minnesota at San Francisco. The Niners are a touchdown favorite at home. We have Tennessee at Baltimore. The Ravens are nine-point favorites at home in Baltimore. We've got the Houston Texans visiting the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. The Chiefs are nine-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. And, of course, oh, the nightcap, Seattle at Green Bay. Seahawks at Packers. And the Packers, they're currently four-point favorites. It was interesting. You heard Mike Lombardi in the last segment say, 
and he's great with this on VEASAN when it comes to the best bet of the week. And, you know, he's phenomenal against the spread. First one that hit him was San Francisco to win and cover. Listen, I've been amazing this year. Mikey Fitz has been even better. Mike, what was your reaction to what Mike Lombardi said? Do you agree or disagree? I tend to agree with him. I think that the 49ers are just a, a more well-rounded team. Uh, I tend to trust Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit more than Kirk Cousins at this point. Uh, and I do trust Shanahan play calling against that Zimmer defense. I think that the 49ers could put up some points. They'll be able to stop Cousins, stop Dalvin Cook a little bit, slow down that play action pass. I'll, I'll take the 49ers to win and cover. Yeah, I agreed with Michael Lombardi also. I think the one thing about all these favorites, all these home teams, all these coaches are brilliant. You've given them all a buy now to prepare as well. also think San Francisco's getting healthy at the right time here. Absolutely. You got D40. He's currently practicing. How about we had Nick Bosa on Shine on Sports, and he mentioned Quan Alexander being a great player and the team leader on defense, and he's coming back, Bob. Right, and we're taping this at 2.42 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Tuesday. Kyle Shanahan just said that there's a good chance that Quan's going to be activated this weekend. Yeah. He just said it. So, Quan Alexander's unbelievable in the middle. The Niners are getting healthy at the right time. You know, the Vikings played an incredible game. you got to give them all the credit in the world for beating the Saints. And the defensive line, Daniel Hunter, Everson, Griffin were great. But I also like San Francisco. They're just a complete team. Kyle Shanahan off the bye. I'm going to take San Francisco. They're going to blow out Minnesota. Who's more likely to cover? The Tennessee Titans or the Houston Texans, Mike? I think it is the Titans, and I don't think it's close. I think that the Titans will be able to keep the ball away from the Ravens. They'll be able to run it. The Ravens' run defense isn't that good. Henry, I think he's going to have another big game. Tannehill might not have to do too much. I think the Ravens still win, but I don't think they cover. So you'll take the Titans with the points. Right. I'll definitely take Kansas City with the points. Interesting, Bob. My biggest problem with the Titans is – Ryan Tannehill's not going to be able to make the big throws late in the games. Look what they did against the Patriots. They limited what Ryan was going to do on offense. That's all fine and dandy. The Ravens aren't scoring zero points in the second half like the Patriots. If you can't convert third downs, especially against Baltimore, you are finished. You're going to have no chance. I disagree entirely. I think the Texans have a much better chance to cover than the Titans. Houston already beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Yeah. Mahomes did play that game. He was healthy. I know a lot of the Chiefs roster was banged up. You know, Chris Jones, Sammy Watkins, Eric Fisher, the list goes on and on with the Chiefs injuries. That game much earlier in the season. They are two very different teams. But the Texans aren't afraid of the Chiefs. They're going to go into Arrowhead. I think Deshaun Watson can play a good game and keep it close. Now, I agree with you, Bob. It does go noted. Mikey Fitz did win the <laughs> the picks yeah. in terms of the regular season, 137, 116, and 7. I was 133, 120, and 7. But look, we can change our mind by the time we make the picks on Friday. But right now, I'm taking San Francisco to win and cover. Right now, I'm taking Baltimore to win and cover. See, here's the deal. I went 1-3 against the spread last week, and that was picking Tennessee to win outright. I just don't think that New England is very good. And I respect the hell out of Tennessee. You know, I, the Tannehill-A.J. Brown connection. Henry is a beast. The Hunter voted him first team all pro. Kern is is Brett Kern is fantastic. I think that the stars will come to play for the Texans and they'll be able to keep that close. Don't misinterpret. I'll pick Kansas City to win every game they play the rest of the season. This Sunday, next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, with the way Mahomes is playing, the way that defense is playing. 
I, I do think Houston can keep it close. And you know I'm picking the Packers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am picking the Green Bay Packers. And this was my preseason pick, Kansas City and Green Bay. Listen, I I thought for sure Carson Wentz was going to win that game. I kind of love Green Bay, who's being disrespected. Aaron Jones is a beast. The Green Bay defense is rock solid. And Aaron Rodgers, I know it was not a great regular season, Boy, Aaron Rodgers in a big spot. Mike, I'm going to roll with the pack. Yeah, I am too. I think the Packers, they're healthier at this point in the season. There seems to be some kind of magic factor to the Seahawks all season. You know, they they won so many one-score games. That's fair. I, the Bengals actually had more double-digit wins than the Seahawks did this year, which is an incredible— What a stat. <laughs> yeah, they had two. The Seahawks had one. Yeah, but I don't, I don't care about something like that, though, because think about it this way. The, the Seahawks are battle-tested. They've played all these teams. They've beaten a lot of great teams. They've beaten the Niners. They've are you taking teams. Seattle, Bob? Yeah, I'm definitely going to take the Seahawks. Really? Yeah, see, the problem you I have is— You tried to be all subtle with that. See, but the issue I have with the Packers is a little bit of fool's goal with this schedule here. I mean— Hater. I, I can't find the—what is the best win of the season for Green Bay? I mean, is it—it's not Kansas City with Matt Moore. How about, how about every game they played in the division? I mean, they the Vikings, Minnesota. Yeah, but the Vikings, I mean, that was a terrible performance the last game they just played. Minnesota dominated the first half. They should have won that game. They you you trust the Seahawks to run the ball against that defense? No, they're not going to have to, though. They're going to be throw. They're going to throw the ball a whole lot. I like I love Russ, but those DBs for, for Green Bay are legit. Yeah, they've had a great season. I like Jair Alexander. I think he's great, but the Seahawks have multiple weapons on offense. Russell Wilson, he's going to make all the plays. The fact of the matter is, I just, I don't, the Green Bay schedule, I just, I don't see the impressive win. I'll give you the Vikings on the road at the end of the season, but that first half, Minnesota dominated. They should have won that game. The, the Packers are what? They've won six of the last seven, and I will say the one loss they had, they didn't even show up. That was against San Francisco. They got destroyed. And Zadarius, 37-8. Zadarius Smith is going to dominate this game. He was all riled up. He didn't make first team all pro. Didn't make the Pro Bowl. Excellent player. I think he is going to be a tremendous ball player coming up for the Packers. It's the best weekend in sports, and I'm here for it. Here's what's on Shine's mind. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Boy, this was a blast. Michael Lombardi, incredible. Bob Stu, Mikey Fitz, sensational. Thanks for our incredible listeners on SiriusXM On Demand, our listeners on Pandora. Thank you to our listeners on Apple and with Stitcher. Please hit the subscribe button. Leave a review if you love the Adam Shine Podcast. And we know you love the Adam Shine Podcast, and we love you for that. You can always catch me, of course, every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show on Shine on Sports, which airs from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. SiriusXM, Mad Dog, Sports Radio, Channel 82. We interact with you, take your outstanding telephone calls, and have the best guests in all of sports talk radio. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Shine. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, Sirius XM 82. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.